Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hi everyone, welcome to Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward podcast number 33 and we are going to be speaking about shame but first of all my name is Chris and I'm with my co-host or the first host Beverly Ann. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd introduce it differently Bev, you know, why not? <laughs> Thank you. No, that was lovely. And we co-host. We do this between us. <laughs> we do. So we're speaking about shame, which can often be a very deep and disturbing, in inverted commas, for some people because they feel it deep and they don't know how to um, express it. They don't know how to deal with it, get over it. So what does that word shame bring up for you? Well, for me, shame, it is very, very deep. When I think back to personal experience, you know, we're taking on the shame of other people's actions and we internalise it. So for me, it was about wearing a mask, coping, making sure that everything was in place and everything was perfect, because what I didn't want to to happen is people to see inside me because they see this big dark hole and that's the only way I can physically describe shame to me um that that fear of not being myself so as people can see if they're watching the videos sometimes we turn up with makeup on sometimes we don't there was no way I would have turned up with no makeup on years ago because that was part of my mask and what did you feel or think that people were seeing? What was your perception? Well, some of this comes from the messages we hear around us. So, you know, from the media and um, perception. But for me, being a survivor of abuse, particularly sexual abuse, it was like, if I share that, how will people judge me? So the shame really comes into, you know, seeps into all different parts of life. And we're going to continued to share some other parts but I really felt that you know if they knew and I, I wanted to make myself as small as possible I didn't want to be able to stand up and to think oh if I if I speak up you know people are going to know what I'm really like that's how much the shame affected me in every part of the aspect of life of your life yeah yeah and I, I can concur with that um my first feelings of feeling shame was when people brought it to my attention because before they brought it to my attention I didn't know any difference so for example turning up to school with holes in my shoes and um, being called um flea bag being told that I smell um when those differences are brought to your attention um, by children who are just acting like children but to me being very cruel to me that is when I felt the shame burn really deep and as a child obviously my my real dad who perpetrated sexual offences against some of my siblings I'll leave it there um, and was convicted of that uh, him 
being called out in the playground, oh, your dad is a paedophile. I never knew what that meant, but yeah. it didn't sound nice. And when I asked, when I went back home and asked what did that actually mean, and I got told he did these things and it means that, I just felt the shame burn into my soul, you know? Yeah. And I felt judged every single day on the acts that someone else had done, i.e. my dad. And even if he didn't perpetrate anything towards me, I, I suffered other abuse at the hands of other people. Um, I still carried his, his actions, that shame, for a lifetime until, like we're going to talk about later, is how do we put that shame down? But we're not touching on that yet. Yeah. So it is a deep-rooted, deep-seated feeling, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It, you know, we talk about conscious and subconscious. It is really deep in our subconscious. And that's where some of the fear is perpetuated from as well. Because, you know, with this shame, you know, on top of that is the fear around, are we safe? But not only that, fear, are we going to be called out? You know, not just by the abuser, but other people, because... Mm -hmm. That's we're holding on to it. And I want to also distinguish the difference between shame and guilt. Okay. Guilt is about actions that we have done. So for okay. instance, so something we've done ourselves. Yeah. So, you know, um, we've broken something by accident. We feel guilty yeah. for that. Okay. Especially if we cover that up. Yeah. So that's where guilt comes from. But as young children we don't really know the difference between shame and guilt and it becomes so entwined right and then as we become adults and we haven't spoken and then we look back we start to think well why didn't we do that why didn't we speak out when we were younger and we hear that all the time why didn't you speak out so then we start to feel guilt on top of the shame right okay but I want to go back to that point and we've touched upon it before like everything we always touch upon it and come back at it from a different angle um why didn't you speak up it's not up to the child to yeah. speak up peeps be aware of that educate yourself on that it's not up to the child yeah they've got enough to contend with but if that child does speak up verbally non-verbally bloody well listen and bloody well do something about it please <laughs> Absolutely, because it takes, uh, you know, the courage it takes. I, I can't, you know, I admire any child, mm -hmm. any young person and any adult that yep. finds that courage. We both know what it's like to feel yep. like that. And, and I don't mind educating people, I really don't, but I do find it frustrating when you keep saying the same thing. Yeah. And we see it all the time and we... This is where we victim blame. Yeah. Why didn't you speak yeah. out? Yeah. You should have done this. You should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> and we're yeah. both very passionate on that. Yeah. And Beverly, I know this is off topic, but the fact of speaking up and disclosing, I don't know about you, but there were so many times I went to do it and then I pulled back for fear of the consequences. And then another situation would appear and you think, oh, this time I'm going to do it, this time I'm going to do it, and it's right there, right there, and then something else happens, and you pull back. So, so many times a child or young person will 
try and tell, but the circumstances, something will happen and they will just switch and go, actually, it's not safe for me to do that at the moment. And whilst you was explaining that just then, my spine went cold and tingly because I, I just threw myself back to when I did disclose or tried to disclose and the amount of times I tried to speak out and couldn't. And when I did and I wasn't listened to or I was, as you said, like victim blamed, you know, oh, that couldn't possibly have happened. Like you go back into your shell and you're like, you, it, it really silences you. But what it also does, so you're not off topic because nothing is off topic because it all comes back. And that's why we yeah. say about breaking the cycle, because can you see how that embeds the shame again even more? So it's another yeah. layer. It's embedding the shame. I must be a liar. You know, we know we're not. We know that. Yeah. Yeah. But so we, we take it on. We internalise it. Absolutely. Also, you've got to remember if... If there's abuse going on sexually, there could also be, a, well, there's a definitely emotional abuse going on, mm -hmm. but it could also be physical abuse. So yeah. you're not in a safe environment. Without the physical abuse, you're not in a safe environment. So you are worried about the consequences. And, and I did it even with that. I did it then. I flinched then. Like, yeah. Because that, yeah. and I will also be honest to say that's an area that I've really had to work on on myself at times you know if there's in a group environment and I remember the teacher and even if it happens now if someone says oh who's done this I'm like well I haven't <laughs> I'm, I'm taking on uh, you know and I, then I have to really you know I feel what's happening and I have to really step back and think no that's not being directed at me yeah yeah so going back to shame and what it means for me, um, it's a feeling of less than. Yes. So in order to make yourself as equal to your perception um, to other people, as you said, there's the mask that goes on. There's the over, being over, trying to be perfect, overdoing all of the time, constantly thinking and the fatigue that comes from that is just so immense. So when you can take that mask off, speak your truth, be authentically you, it's just so freeing, isn't it? It is, but there's quite a few steps before that. So I love that that word, as you said, um, about you know what shame means to you, because for me, it was unworthy. Yeah. Yeah, and we all have than, yeah. less than, unworthy, yeah. you know, even failure. So hence, trying to do everything to the absolute best level yeah. that you can. You know, and when we see also what happens is, so we're, learn, we're learning, especially in childhood, in a um, young adult, in a vulnerable, um, and, and as vulnerable adults, we then enter in relationships now we know we want to change things, but there's some things instinctively we we don't know how to change. So if we're being controlled, isn't that a sign of love? Isn't that a sign that they want us? You know, mm. so we we tend to go into uh, abusive relationships because what does a relationship look like? Yeah, yeah. Um, as a parent, 
you know, um, we've, again, I'm, I'm going to say something, we've touched on this before, but um, as a parent, I mean, I, I remember when, I, you know, the thought of becoming a mum, the scary part with me was how can I protect my children from the shame that I'm feeling myself? What if I let them down? Wow. Steep, isn't it? It, it? it really seeps into every corner of your life, doesn't it? This this feeling of shame. Absolutely. Um, I've heard it from not only my sister, but other survivors that I've come across. Um, but my sister, Diane, she she um, explains it as being a piece of rock. And, you know, the writing that goes through the rock. So it's inherent in the rock and she says that's what the shame is it's in, inherent in me when people look at me this is what she says when people look at me I feel that they are seeing what's happened to me and that it was all my fault and that is just so oh my god oh wow how deep and how utterly sad and how utterly, how dare perpetrators put that kind of um, deep-seated, horrible feelings into people? Because that's what it creates. This act of sexual abuse, this crime that is committed against children, that is how deep it can seep. And Absolutely. it's not right, Bev. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, last week's podcast was very much talking about, you know, oh, it happened a long time ago. Why can't you stop talking about it? Well, actually, I'm going to say the other thing. The best friend of shame is silence. Mm. Yeah. Because the longer or the more silence there is around it with ourselves, with people around us, the more the shame is. It feeds shame. Yeah, it does feed it. You're right. And the fact that you want to be able to speak about it, not like just willy nilly, but you that there might be a need to speak about it because how you're feeling, if the people around you don't acknowledge it, um, don't want to speak about it for whatever reason, that just adds more layers to how you're feeling. And that's when it becomes more isolating as well, because we internalise it, we isolate it. We look at other people and we think, well, you're not the same. It, ha- it can't have happened to you because no one's talking about it. And that's why having this conversation is really important, because there'll be someone listening who's thinking, absolutely, I feel the same, but I don't know what to say. And as we say, it's not necessarily finding the words, because finding the words, first of all, is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. It's it's being able to find a way to communicate with yourself how you feel. Because when we when we have shame and we're pushing down our feelings and our emotions, you know, that's when we 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 look at um how do we shut our emotions off and continue shutting them off? You know, and what we're using, are we using working, are we using alcohol, are we using drugs, are we self-harming in a way? in lots of different ways, because we feel we want to, we're not worthy. Mm. We want to transfer that pain, but we're not worthy. So what does it matter if I don't look after myself? You talk about self-care, but 
you know, with all this shame, how am I going to look after myself? Yeah. You know. This brings me back to the last one where we said, you know, leave it in the past. And some people, individuals not being able to do that. And I can really get now from this conversation where it is about the shame that's making them feel unworthy. And as you've just said, not not being able to or not caring enough about themselves because of what they've gone through not caring for themselves and why does it matter you know mm. Mm. we knew this was going to get deep didn't we we did but as yeah. always and we need to acknowledge that it gets deep because it's an important yeah. part yeah. you know there's always Very. a beginning a middle and an end and if we don't bring it out and shine a yeah. light on it how are we going to move forward? And that's the important part. We've been able to acknowledge, and for anyone who's listening, please think of your self-care. And now we're going to think about how do we move forward? How do we let go of that shame? Yeah, how? Do, yeah, exactly. Now, for me, Bev, I let go of the shame of what my dad did. Not straight away, actually, not for decades, because what perpetrated the shame for me was all of the myths that surround sexual abuse. And one of them is, if you have been abused, you will become an abuser, which obviously is an absolute 100% myth. Um, but also for me, it was like, well, your dad's an abuser, so that means that you are by association. And I'm like, that was abhorrent to me. Oh. Um, obviously, as you can, you can imagine, um, but it was just like, if anything, I was more against making sure that everything that I did with my children was above and beyond, um, you know, just I wouldn't even change a nappy by myself. I would do it in front of somebody else, for example, in the mm. early days, just so that I could prove not only to myself subconsciously that I wasn't an abuser. And that time that I've shared in the book and I've shared many times with people, but I still feel shame about this, actually. Maybe I should work on this in therapy. Um, the time that Ben, who's now 25, bless him, when he was a baby and he did that really disgusting, dirty nappy, as they all do, where it was all up his belly, all up his back and God knows everywhere else. Um, I literally had to put him in the bath, cleaning him all down, but then had to spend more time on him than usual. Um, and I just thought, I had this scary thought go through my head. Oh my God, anyone watching now would probably think you're abusing him because you've spent too long cleaning him. I mean, where did that thought come from? Why did it come to me? Um, and that's when I had my first sort of like real wobble and I ended up down the GP saying, I'm not an abuser, am I? I had to go there for clarification and I was distraught. And it was like, whatever made you think like that? And I, and I just explained where my thought process had been going since I'd had him, like given birth to him. Um, and he went, from what you've told me and what you've gone through as a child and adolescent yourself, and you've not dealt with any of this, it's come back at you full wham and um, basically you're being triggered big time and no, you are not an abuser. Yes. Get that out of your head. And yeah. it took that GP, that professional to say that to me. I mean, I knew that already. I knew that, 
but that shame and that guilt that I've been carrying around for decades just like came at me and I needed that acknowledgement from a professional to make me think oh all right yeah I'm just being a good mum yeah and one thing I want to make clear as well is we're talking about um sexual abuse here but sometimes it's not even through abuse it's perceived so excuse me giving my throat there so it's an action that's um done sometimes with the best intentions and what i'm going to relate to here because it's it it's one of those areas that we don't talk about but for girls for particularly um when they're medically examined internally at a young age now it may not be an abusive act it may be done for a medical reason out of care because there's concern about abuse but when there's an internal um carried out on a young girl and and we're talking even from a very young child even through teenage you know that can also have similar effects of shame yeah that happened to me as you know I've shared that with you before at the age of nine that happened to me yeah so it perpetuates in different ways. So that, you know, it's not necessarily abuse as in sexual yeah, abuse. No. And I want to make that clear yeah. because when I, you know, I've had a couple of clients in the past that have spoken about this and they've taken the shame on it. And then it's also carried on to their life. And then they felt even more shameful because then they said, but I haven't been abused. Why do I feel like this? So I want to make that very, very clear to anyone who's listening. Yeah. So going back to that question then how do we break the shame for me long story short um i woke up one day and thought hang on a minute he did that it wasn't me just because we're related doesn't mean a thing i would never ever touch a child sexually inappropriately i would go to my deathbed protecting a child from that because i know what it feels like so why am I holding on to his shame? And now when I publicly speak about it, I go, yeah, my dad's a, a paedophile. And it doesn't have an impact on me as I don't carry the shame of what he's done because he might be my biological father, but I have nothing to do with him. I'm not responsible for his actions. I'm responsible for me and my actions. And that is it. So Absolutely. that's how I broke it. What about you? Um, again, I was quite long. So the real shame, first of all, came up was, as I mentioned, when I was 14, 15, just around the air time. And in my second children's home, Auntie Helen was being very honest with me and telling me about the difference between sex and making love and that you have a choice and self-respect. When I realised what had been happening, I suddenly I, that was my huge trigger. And that's when I was just engulfed by shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. So the next time my dad tried, I just said no very quietly and he stopped. And that for me meant I carried the shame. So why didn't I do that when I was younger? And it was only when um, I had my children and I started counselling because they they were triggering and that's that's very common so you know as much as I love my children they were mirroring what I hadn't had or how young I was 
And so I started counselling. And it was only then, I remember walking in one day and lots of toy, toys being around the room and it was near to Christmas and my, I was, I'd been Christmas shopping. I couldn't sit down. And it was only then when she said, what's the matter? And I said, why am I here? I'm an adult. I'm, waste, I'm taking this time off a, off a child that really needs to speak to you. And she said, but you need to speak to me. And I said, no, I don't want to. It was the toys. And I said, I don't want to take this time away from another child. And I said, I was an adult. I was fine. I could sort myself out. And I just couldn't speak. And it was only when she was able to say, so how old do you think is an adult? And I didn't even question it. I said, well, we all like to think we're grown up when we're 16, 17. (laughs) But actually, it comes into our 20s. We think we're grown up, mm-hmm. but we're still learning about ourselves. And in, and then she said, so when you were four, and that's when it hit me. In a, it was awful in one way, but then during the session and professionally, I was able to work through because I was with a professional and work through. And by the time I left, I was like, oh, I started, I won't say it completely went, I started to think, how could it be my fault? Yeah. And even at 15, it made me think, wow, that, you know, 14, 15, you know, um, and when I say 15, just 15, it made me think that took some courage. So that's the bit of shame that I say that silence exacerbates it. So we don't want to go there but actually our bodies and we talk about chronic fatigue this is where um professionally our bodies want to keep us safe so our bodies remember what action caused us to feel shameful and we internalize it and so our conscious thinking and our subconscious thinking is fighting with each other okay i'm not shameful i haven't done anything wrong mm. Well, deep down, you're still carrying it. Yeah. Because you've acknowledged it and you can understand it consciously, but you haven't really, you know, understood it enough for your self-conscious. And that's the work that we do by looking at evidence because we all want evidence. Mm -hmm. So now, um, if we were to, to look for, you know, if we're feeling shameful, check in. What is that feeling? It feels black and horrible, okay? And explore the feeling, not what's happened. Explore the feeling, and then we look for other evidence. So we're reframing what's happening. And it doesn't, it's not easy to do, first of all. We've spoken about reframing before, haven't we? We have, yeah. Um, And it's only then when you're able to find a voice and verbalise your feelings that suddenly it starts to tumble out and it's like, okay. And when I say verbalise, even with journaling, and there's different ways, different exercises that I use that seem so simple, but they're simple to enable those thoughts of shame and to be expressed, but they're not simple. They're actually, they really go down deep. Yeah. I think obviously there is um, boys and girls, men and women, and everyone in between, all the different genders, if they've gone through similar, they will all feel 
shame and guilt to a certain extent, more or less, whatever, it doesn't matter. We all feel the same if we've gone through similar. Um, how do we allow everybody to be able to express how they're feeling and uh, what I'm trying to do is trying to get uh, um, how how do we give people permission to share what they've gone through when they don't feel like they can it's so deep it's so shameful they feel that if they do come out of it they will be so judged people will feel and think differently about them so how do we give people permission to share when so they don't feel that they can the very first thing we're looking to do is go create for ourselves a safe space and when i say safe space a safe space within ourselves so <clears throat> re-nurturing ourselves so literally you feel like you're going back to your young younger self inside of you and you're trying to give some nurture now that nurture could be in different ways it could be through movement it could be through food you know nurturing ourselves with good food um making sure that you know nurturing ourselves with showering nurturing ourselves with our environment what's our bedroom look like where we're working now somebody might say hmm, that's not very practical or you know very effective well actually it is it's the first start of it because once we start doing that then we're showing ourselves some love once we start doing that we're also becoming aware of what's happening in our body and learning different techniques such as breathing tapping, havening, all different tools. Everybody has access to the different tools. And I will say, particularly if they're working with a professional, to guide them through. So they're learning that, first of all, to enable them slowly and surely to then find a way that they can verbalise how they feel and, and view from a different position. So... Um, I, I very much advocate colours and space. So some people might go outside and have a big piece of paper and a dark pen and write down all those feelings of shame. And they might not want to share it with anyone and they don't have to. But then they can rip it up. They can. So that is actually the start of giving their feelings a voice. Somebody else might want to do it by screaming. So, so there's no words. So screaming, running, you know, hitting, you know, just, it doesn't actually have to be words. You know, we know how hard it is the very first time, but you're finding an outlet for those words, an outlet for that trauma. I think because the shame's been buried deep for many of us and it's been layered upon and layered upon, those feelings that we have have also been suppressed. So the fact that you've just shared different ways of being able to express those feelings, um, it, it's, it's good, I think, because many people need to just get into touch with their feelings because there's a lot of people that have expressed to us over the years that they just feel numb. They don't feel and they've not felt. So when you do feel, you're actually healing. Yeah. Yeah. So I've shared with everybody 
that I've been angry for a long time and I shouldn't feel ashamed of my anger, which I have done. I felt very ashamed of how angry I've felt, but I shouldn't. So one one of those layers of getting rid of shame for me has mm -hmm. been to acknowledge that anger and to deal with that anger. And there you go. We, we, we become fearful of what we feel. Mm -hmm. We can become fearful. We don't want to look at shame. You know, we don't want to go there. Yeah. But by when I was saying, you know, the different different things that we can look at the small things if we start by the small things we're taking things out one by one we're not going let's do it all because there's no way you can do it all in one no no there's no it's not you know I wouldn't recommend it it's not good you know each step makes a difference but you have to take time it, a process it is a yeah. process yeah and like I hear a lot Beverly as well um and it's just come clear to me right now over the years therapy again I'm doing therapy again I can't believe this why am I in therapy again all I ever seem to do is work on myself and that's exactly the reason why because you can't do it all at once you peel the onion you absolutely. deal with what comes up absolutely you, need, you need a breathing space and then you come back to it and you peel another layer so this last year for me of EMDR when I had that massive reaction and the anger literally come out like a volcano mm. and I can laugh about it now but at the time it was completely and utterly scary and when I shared it with you there was a bit of shame attached to that um but now it's just like I'm so pleased I've been able to deal with that shame and guilt about the anger that I felt that was so deep rooted it's literally off my chest because I, I shared with you I felt suffocated here my throat kept closing up but the fact that I've been able to get rid of that and have a rest when I went away in the new year um, has enabled my body just to feel lighter but that's been decades of working on myself in and out of therapy at different times you know there's the clarity absolutely and and it you know wherever we are whether we're at the beginning and i'm going to say journey you yes know, process journey yeah um in our life there is no one way that works for everybody no. we cannot say this is what's going to happen one two three we cannot say that the same process will get the same response from yeah. everybody. What happens is I'm a big, big advocate of saying, putting together a wellness toolbox. Yeah. And by doing that, that means that when everything around us feels like it's falling apart and we can feel like the shame, okay, what do I need to start showing myself the evidence? So sometimes for me, one key thing is recognizing the things that I do do well. You know, when I've been, you know, when I've been kind to someone else or kind to me, you know, writing it down. And then at those moments of shame, being able to use those um, examples to reinforce, it's okay. It's okay, yeah. it's the evidence. And yeah. that's important. So I'm just watching the time, Chris, because as ever, the time has absolutely flown. Anybody listening, I hope 
as always, they've taken some information out of this. Your last thoughts before we come to an end, Chris? Um, whatever happened to you and whoever did it to you, they're at fault. It's not anything to do with you. If you was aroused physiologically, that's absolutely normal. And it is not something that you chose. It was a physiological reaction to something that is natural and normal, but not when it comes to child sexual abuse. It was not your fault. It never is your fault. And please put that shame back at the door of the perpetrator. It doesn't belong to you. And it's going to take you time to work through that and actually acknowledge what I'm saying is factual and true. Absolutely. And you said that very well. And, um, you know, the arousal part is a huge, huge part. And that's something we don't want to leave everybody in a bad place. So we won't go mm -hmm. further. We'll do that in an, another episode. But again, get it out. You know, yeah. silence exacerbates so much. And I always say that silence is the shame's best friend. That's yeah. going to be my last parting words. Okay. So remember, everybody, to look after yourself. You know, think about what it is that you want to get out of yourself and maybe go for a walk, scream, write it out, rip it up, journal, whatever works for you. Absolutely. And please, if you are in a really dire situation with your thoughts and your feelings, please call the Samaritans or any other survivors helpline out there. There's NAPAC, the Survivors Trust, Rape Crisis, and many, many more. Mankind, Menkind, um, yeah, just so many out there. Just Google them, phone up the helpline, and speak your truth when you're ready. Absolutely. So. It's goodbye from me, Beverly Ann. And bye from me, Chris Tuck. See you next time, everyone. And thank you for listening. Please get in touch and let us know your thoughts um, and anything else you want us to chat about. We would love to hear from you. And if there's any questions, remember we can be contacted at breakingthecycle2stepforward at gmail.com. We have Facebook page and um, Instagram. My brain went dead then. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Bye everyone.